Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Stationary Freaks podcast with myself, Rob Lambert and of course... Me, Helen Lazowski. How you doing then, Helen? All good? I'm fine, thanks. Have I ever said that that starting bit with you and I reminds me of Sheldon and Amy in Fun with Flags in Big Bang Theory? I have never <laughs> seen an episode of that, ever. <laughs> never watched it. Really, everybody who recognises it now will not be able to hear me saying, and me, Helen Lazowski, without thinking, and me, Amy Farrafala. I'm going to have to check that out then. <laughs> okay, cool. So today's a, a little bit of a ramble chat, really, isn't it, between uh, you and I? And it really, I guess, comes down to how and why we started the Stationary Freaks podcast, because we've always had this view that that sort of stationary has this sort of hidden potential, not always Magic. hidden, actually, sometimes, yeah. And the potential is there. And Sometimes the potential is released and realized, and sometimes, in my case particularly, squandered, the, yeah, squandered <laughs> wasted, uh, lost by the side. Um, so today we're going to have a little ramble chat around that. Why Why potential? You know, what, what does that mean to you when you think about the potential of stationery? Okay, so I called it magic because I actually think that there's both a jokey side to this and a serious side. I think when you get a new notebook, or even if you, it's not the buying of it, incidentally, it's the finding it in the cupboard. A new notebook has this potentiality. It could be uh, an amazing new business plan. It could be a new novel. It could be the solution to the chaos in your life because it's going to be this amazing bullet journal, Rob. <laughs> but, but it has this like pent-up potentiality. Those blank pages could become anything and that anything could be utterly amazing for you in your life. And, and I find that genuinely almost magic I, I yeah. really do but from a jokey side of view isn't it great to have an excuse to have a new notebook <laughs> Just... it, it is and, and I think that's that's the sort of allure I guess for me is like new notebook new idea new potential yeah. they don't, don't always come to fruition which we'll talk about in a bit but I, I like the <laughs> The sort of magic because yeah you're right but it's not just notebooks though is it i mean it's like you know you get a new pen or you get a new sort of, sort of stationary kit or you get some sort of new filing system or whatever you know index cards you name it there's this sort of uh, draw to what this thing this set of tools can actually bring forward yeah for you. and it's almost like a key to unlocking your better self isn't it with this yeah. i can conquer the world yeah absolutely and you <laughs> know the number of <laughs> the number of notebooks that I bought that, you know, it's going to be, this is this is the notebook, this is going to launch this brand, or this is going to be where I'm going to write this book. And then three or four pages in, and it's just it's just a list. It just becomes a scrapbook. That's the problem, isn't it? Because I have to be honest, three or four pages into a book, the minute you sully that new book, it better be good, because otherwise those three pages can stop you ever wanting to pick that book up again. And it's a notebook, for God's sake. It shouldn't change its magical properties because you've used three pages to tear them out and start again <laughs> but it makes a difference do you find that do you put books to one side once you've started them and they've not given you life-changing 100 percent. and and sometimes i've tried you know if you get a, a decent notebook with a perforation you can just rip the pages out that's fine or you know one on a ring binder or something um, but if you get like a moleskin and i've bought many many moleskins at huge expense i mean they're not cheap these things i've ruined the first four or five pages and, and then i've tried to cut them out and they leave like a little thread along the side and then the notebook's yeah. never the same it's just not pristine you can't open it properly it doesn't fold flat anymore and yeah, I've ruined many, many notebooks. Do you not find the page number? I, I really upsets me to, to stuff the page numbering up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use I'd... the page numbering. 
<laughs> but one one of the uh, notebooks I think we talked about on this show before is is my personal knowledge management notebook, the, the really nice sort of Ted Baker notebook. Yeah, and that was going really well. I got a really nice index in front. I got maybe yeah, it's like 160 pages full of like wisdom and knowledge and insights. Then. I just ruined it. I just like started sticking pieces of paper in and, and everything got a bit squiffy. And then I left a big gap because it's based on sort of topics I'm interested in. So I left a reasonable gap because I knew I wanted to fill it with, you know, notes from a book that I'd been reading, but I didn't leave enough room. So oh. then in the index, I had to go, it's like page 65 to 70 and then it's 85 to 90 and it just, just spoiled it, ruined it. See, that wouldn't ruin it for me, but I would be irritated by that. <laughs> So I completely get it. I do completely get it. But I think as well, like it's it's you know obviously we're focused on stationery here on this podcast. But it's for me, it's that almost like analog anything. You know, there's the potential when you buy. Like I've really got back into cassettes and sort of recording on cassettes. There's the potential that it has. There's just something about this sort of going back to using all of your senses, really, not just relying on digital stuff to unleash that potential that sits within you. Do you find that it's broader than stationary or is that just me? <laughs> so uh, there is nothing in my life but stationary, Rob. You almost know this. No, I, I agree with you. So when I bought the new weights this time last year, you know, I do the exercise stuff. That, again, you think this is going to be life-changing. And, and what's awful is even if it is, we normalise so fast that you don't recognise it. So I think... It's probably healthier to believe rather than thinking this is this one thing is your true saving, the saving grace of your entire life. I like to think of them as here's the next brick in that thing that I'm building called a life. Because otherwise, cool. you, I know, right? Otherwise, you put so much story in. And I, you know, I can't talk about this. I, I can let you know something. I went into town. Obviously, we're allowed to go into town. And you know, I live in the country. So it's quite an event when I go into town. I went into the town for the first time in ages at the weekend. And uh, they have opened a paper chase, Rob, in my They've town. opened one? I thought they were closing them all down. I know, right? That's what I thought. I was so impressed. I took a photo to send you and then forgot. <laughs> but it was like, oh, my God, they've opened a paper, paper chase. So, yes, I did queue so that I could go in. That was an interesting experience, queuing to get into paper chase. I did review while I was stood outside. Actually, this is probably the, the, the correct order of the universe to queue to go and look at stationery. But it lucky wasn't very long. <laughs> and I did buy a thing, <laughs> just, just unsurprisingly. But it was only a birthday card, so you know, doesn't count. Ah, uh, that's right? good. So I'm amazed you came out without some sort of stationery. I mean, we used to go at lunchtime when we worked together in uh, Maidenhead, and we used to go to a station to uh, Paper Chase. And yeah, I mean, even though you don't need a new notebook or a new pen, it's, it's I know. There. I didn't have time. I literally had five minutes because, sadly, the oppressive weight of my husband, who does not approve of my stationery. Um, I want to call it a fetish almost. Uh, yeah, my stationary requirements. Uh, as he was waiting for me. So, and there's no way you can hide a new notebook when you go out with just, you know, your wallet and a mask these days. So, yeah, I was, I was never going to get away with it. And the justification outweighs the ability to go and actually have a proper look. But I will go, be going back now. Because we thought they were closing, didn't we? And I'm really pleased that they're not. And I think, um, you know, coming back to the sort of potential stuff, I think um, one, of, one of the things that interests me, and, and I don't know whether you do this as well, but this is pretty geeky, is I do spend a, an inordinate amount of time surfing the internet, wasting time like most people do. But I like looking at old notebooks. So notebooks of famous people. 
notebooks yeah. of the past you know anything that that sort of before digital came along what did people do yeah Einstein's notebooks are on there aren't they yeah yeah Da Vinci's you've got every bit Ernest Hemingway's journals there's some wonderful stuff in there is obviously the you know the the time has passed we know what these people have done and achieved so you can see their working you can see their life unfold in these pages It's, it's wonderful and the potential that they unleashed was immense and I suppose a part of me goes, if if I buy a new notebook like Ernest Hemingway had or, you know, one like Da Vinci and I draw pictures like that and I lay it out in the same way, then I will achieve this great potential too. And the reality is that's that's not coming to fruition <laughs> for me. So I don't think that helps. And, and I think as well, social media, you've got Instagram. It's got wonderful stationary accounts on there. One that I follow is a company called Mark and Fold. And they've got some amazing looking notebooks, very expensive. Yeah. But they look, they look wonderful and I'm like oh you know I, I kind of want that because if I had that notebook world domination again isn't it stationary freaks conference would take off or yeah the parent <laughs> the parent brain blog would become you know magical and self-sufficient and paying for itself and the reality is I just scroll my terrible handwriting into it and then ruin the first few pages and then put it on the shelf because I've spoiled <laughs> that moment that potential's gone I, I agree you do lose that potential but but Imagine, so you and I have both successfully uh, used notebooks. So we have notebooks that work really, really well. And until you ruined your um, wisdom book, you, uh, I can't remember what you call it, your life journal or whatever it is, that, until you ruined that, <laughs> you were really successful with that. So, so how do you slip from that first page of potentiality Supposing you get through the first few pages and you haven't screwed it up beyond all recognition, which frankly, you know, we recognise, we've talked about. What other things go wrong? What traps fall into? So I think one of, one of the biggest traps that, that I fall into, certainly, and I see other people doing this, is this obsession. And we've talked about this a little bit, you know, looking at the old notebooks, is this kind of <laughs> obsession with how other people do things. Yes. You know, I subscribe to this um, a wonderful newsletter. Is, is I think it's called the Writer's Digest, or I can't remember. I'll find it and, and stick it in the show notes. And basically, every month they interview a writer and they ask them how they write. You know, what routines, what habits, what tools, what um, sort of methodologies, what approach they use to writing. And I'm obsessed with it. And I think it's the same. You know, people are always intrigued by like how, I don't know, Bill Bryson writes books or how Stephen King comes up with ideas or you know I'm a big fan of Jerry Seinfeld and yeah. he uh, uses yellow legal pads to write all of his jokes and I, there's this sort of obsession with how other people are doing things there's this sort of belief that if I just do that then I'll have that same sort of success or you know those ideas will come through or I'll suddenly be able to get clarity over this problem that I'm working through there's stuff to be learned from that there's definitely things we can take from other people but it's a trap to think that just copying someone else's process, their routines, is going to lead to the same success because we're not them. They're, they're not us. And we have to sort of almost find what works for us. Do you fall into that trap? Uh, yes, and not just with stationery, actually. But, but I agree with you. You have to learn. It's really sensible to learn from what other people who've achieved what you're or appear to have achieved what you want have done because it's shortcutting your learning but the trick is is to learn from what they've done because just copying it doesn't give you that it's not it's this cargo cult idea isn't it just copying something doesn't give you you only copy the bits you recognize as being different that you don't do 
So you, what you don't recognize is all the nuance and all the subtlety and all the thought that's gone in before they put pen to paper, unlike me who just puts pen to paper. So I think that's exactly right, actually. Exactly right. It's very insightful, Rob. <laughs> the, the reality is you've just got to do the work, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, there's only so much that, uh, that a notebook or, or a pen or whatever it is that you're using is going to unleash that potential if you don't then sit down and turn it into something. Do the work, yeah. That's it. You just got to sit down and do the work, yeah. Well, I, we ought probably that ought to be the the subheading for this podcast, the Do the Work podcast, because that's fundamentally, it's not, is it, the big flashy bits, uh, including the buying of a new notebook and stationery. It's the work and the effort that you put into anything, and it's the learning. I mean, that's why these people were brilliant at what they did. It's because they had hours and hours and hours of time spent doing that work. That was what made them awesome, not the fact they had the best notebook in the world and having to record some stuff in it. And that, that's it. And, and I think there's another couple of things here is when you read the journals of some of these people that achieved, you know, seemingly great heights, you realize they had the same insecurities, the same doubts, the same inability to get words on paper or, you know, whatever it is they were doing. And I think as well, the, there's another sort of corollary to this is that you have to look at what people have given up to achieve what they've got. And I think that's yes. the bit that's missing is people are going, oh, you know, I want this fame or success or this book or this video or whatever it is that your your world is. There are people who have achieved much greater heights than, than I have, certainly. And you often have, have to look, though, and say, well, what have they given up to achieve that? And am I willing to pay that price? And I think that's a bit yes. that's missing sometimes. I agree. I absolutely agree. There is a cost to everything. I mean, you talking about diaries made me think I've literally just bought um, a copy of the Marcus Aurelius meditations, which I've not ever read. And you I know you're a bit of a Stoics fan as well. So he he that classic exactly that he kept a journal just for his private self. We're lucky that we've got it still in this day and age. It's absolutely full of his himself self-talking to himself about trying to be the best person he could be trying to do the right thing and why it's hard so yeah if if he could have trouble emperor of rome (laughs) was really big you know it's entirely reasonable that we should have trouble too oh god yeah absolutely and and that's the thing they're just reminders to himself it was a private journal that he just wrote uh, wisdom about how to yeah correct himself and you know stop his uh, doubts and and fears and what have you and yeah arguably he had a, a much more important job than we do so i think um <laughs> arguably <laughs> we can certainly learn from that one you know what are the um you know so what what sort of potential this is a personal question really is what sort of potential are you trying to unleash through you know this obsession or fetish as you called it with the station <laughs> i like order so to me it's about getting some kind of handle on the chaos so I am slightly um, focused on how how uh, recording things means that I can release some of the memory or my brain power that is spent remembering stuff and use it to process stuff because I don't think remembering stuff in this day and age is hugely a useful way to use the human brain but actually thinking about stuff joining ideas together and coming out with something new and and unique for me solving problems whatever that is that's where I want all my brain power to be I find remembering stuff takes up a vast amount of cognitive power in my head and the less I do it the more more room it takes up now when I try to if you see what I mean so for me that potentiality is all about what I could be doing so long as I don't have to hold this stuff in my head. But I want to find it again. 
And that being able to, and we've, I know we've done a podcast on how do you find stuff. So, you know, I section my note, I, I have multiple notebooks and I also section the notebooks that I have, because if I can't find it again, it's not worth it. We talk about stationery, but you, we also include in here sort of productivity tools, which we've both used to, to varying degrees. Do you include those in that? To some extent. I mean, for me, the, the potentiality, I guess the thing that I'm looking for when I'm um, buying new stationery and pens and wasting money and time <laughs> is I, I'm a sort of creative trapped in a corporate management consultant body. <laughs> and my entire life has, you know, from when I could first start writing, I would write stories. I was writing TV and film scripts when I was, you know, sort of early teens then I got a camera and was out filming and and shooting stupid videos and for some reason something went wrong at some point (laughs) and I followed the I followed the mold and I ended up in the corporate world which you know has been very good I'm not going to complain at all because I made those decisions but all the way through my career and you've worked with me for a long time yeah I cannot not write I can't not create stuff and for me the the journey is now transitioning as I get older away from the corporate world which is I'll be honest sometimes toxic and really what I'm trying to transition to is getting all those books I said I was going to write all those films I wanted to write all those uh, blogs and podcasts and all the other creative stuff done and my bucket list is huge with all sorts of stuff that I've wanted to write. Maybe sometimes for like 20, 25 years, I've had this idea that I just wanted to bring to life. And for me, that's what I'm looking for is that moment when that potential opens and something comes out that releases that creativity. You know, I remember a very small little notebook that I bought and I was on the train to London to a corporate gig, um, which I wasn't particularly enjoying and having to commute into London with all those other people that clearly looked like they weren't particularly enjoying what they were doing as well. <laughs> And I wrote down uh, the idea for Parent Brain, which this was like 10 years ago. It just sort of flew out of me, so to speak, on the train into this notebook. And that notebook was the catalyst for all of the stuff that I've done with that particular brand. There's those moments that I have where suddenly I get that clarity. And I I guess that's really what I'm looking for is that clarity. Here's an idea. What does it need to become? Um, but then it's the do the work and that's the bit where the corporate yeah. world gets in the way and and all the you know kids family all the other stuff that, that pops up and I have too many ideas I've always had too many ideas you know you've worked I do me. know Rob I've been at the receiving end of your idea to flow <laughs> that's it there's new ideas new ways of doing stuff let's do it let's be creative and I think that structure like you're looking for that organization and that order but yeah. also you know how does this idea become something then that's when I've worked really hard over the last couple of years to build the routines, the habits, the discipline, the stoic sort of thinking really about just do the work, then open the notebook and release that next bit of potential. We should do a podcast on stoic stationery. Isn't that genius? So we talk about it on and off all over the place. There must be, you know, some threads that we can pull together for people who perhaps wouldn't normally think that philosophy had in any way relevant to their lives and their stationary obsessions. But actually, so yeah. Definitely. I mean, all the Stoics journaled and they all wrote books, you know, most of them wrote books. Obviously they didn't podcast, but um, we can, uh, yeah, that sounds good actually, because, um, you know, the the reality is, is philosophy has this horrible sort of uh, weirdness about it being a bit fluffy and a bit ephemeral. But for the Stoics, it was about whether or not it made you a better person. And that's actually fundamentally what we use stationery for. Absolutely. Right. So Helen, we're coming up on time here. Um, Um, Anything else about the potential of stationery? 
I've done a few things. So you will remember vaguely that I bought, no, I didn't buy. Somebody gave to me um, a, a lovely little bullet journaling set. And I wanted to say this stationary notebook I used, again, opened it with full of that excitement and potentiality. And here's where it is interesting. Different kind of enthusiasm. This uh, notebook's from a company called Stationary Island, who I'd not heard of before. But it's beautiful. It's absolutely been a joy. I've using it as my day-to-day -day notebook. So that day-to-day um, -day notebook. So that's like all my rough notes, all my conversations, my all those kind of things that go straight into it. So no prep, no pretty planning, no nothing, just using it. And the paper is lovely and thick. It's so gorgeous that I have actually switched back to using my uh, fountain pen. And I have absolutely loved it. So the book lays flat. It's got, you know, all the things that you would want from a bullet journal, except it's too small. It's only um, an A5 size and I actually really need the B6 size. But yeah, I, it's just a joy. And that potentiality. So something that I thought was, you know, I don't need anything fancy for this notebook. This isn't one that I'm going to use for very long because it's going to be, you know, used up. I go through these kind of, it's it's like transitory information. So I don't need to find it again. I don't need to record it. I just need to keep it, uh, make notes for me to think about or to respond to something or whatever. So I never spend, it's never pretty or anything like that. But this one has become so because it is such a joy to use. So yeah, kudos to you guys at, at uh, Stationary Island for that. Love it. Yeah, while you were, you were talking then, I just had a quick look on their website. It looks pretty good actually. Nice. It's just good. And so what's really nice, and I know completely beside the point, so we talked recently about how we don't use ink pens anymore, fountain pens. And I, for some reason, looked at this paper and went, this is so lovely and thick. It's almost wasted on ballpoint. I'm going to dig out one of my fountain pens, which I've done. So I... Um, a bit of a fan of the Waterman Karen ones. So these are like, they have the nib embedded into the tip of the pen. So it's proper laid flat. And I yeah. adore it, really love it. And going back to using a fountain pen has been an unexpected joy. Having basically gone, yeah, 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 I don't do that anymore. They don't write nicely. It's too slow. Slowing down enough to capture just what I need. So it's forced me to write more slowly. But it's been such a joy. So the potentiality of getting joy from, you know, something like that, different kind of potentiality, but it's been absolutely brilliant. Been so pleased with it. Yeah, I mean, I've been using uh, fountain pens for the journaling because it does make you slow down and think rather than just scrawling away. Um, but mine, I'm pretty certain that one of my three boys has used that fountain pen to colour in something because... <laughs> It no longer operates with a smooth ink flow or any of the other good stuff that a fountain pen should. It's very scratchy. It runs out of ink really quickly now. So surprisingly, there isn't a lot of ink on the page. So I don't quite know where it's going. Um, so who knows? How, how do you handle it? Well, they're fine. So I don't know where it's off to, but maybe it's just evaporating from the, the heat of the usage. But yeah, they've definitely used it because it's it doesn't write well anymore. And it's got a little crack in it as well. So yeah, I've got a waterman, but I never worked out how to fill it. So I need to get some proper ink and, and have a go at that. Cartridge versus uh, those little pouch fill things, isn't it? I, yeah. I have to be honest. I'd loved, I, I've had bottles of ink, but it's such, a, I'm such a disaster magnet. The whole bottle of ink thing, the, the terror, <laughs> it's like a really exciting moment to refill your ink. Yeah. Jesus, it's going to go everywhere. <laughs> you know, well, obviously we're moving the house at the moment. So, you know, for the listeners, there's some carnage ahead for me as we move house into a house that needs a huge amount of work. I'm very excited, but it's yeah. going to be fairly traumatic. 
and lots of lists great opportunity to be writing lists of all sorts of stuff it's it's oh, wonderful really yeah. i can't lay my hands on stuff anymore we've got boxes all over there's stuff everywhere so i've been flitting between different notebooks whilst at work making you know one to one notes and all the other stuff it's it's caused huge drama because i just can't find stuff anymore so uh yeah definitely single notebook story safe don't let your kids uh, your kids <laughs> use your fountain pens so, wisdom of today <laughs> That's it. If they haven't learned anything, it's definitely don't let kids use fountain pens. And don't let Helen loose with a jar of ink. So, uh, no, there we go. really. Seriously, I'm not even joking. There is there is that drama, though, isn't there? It's like, I've got to be really careful. <laughs> uh, I find the same thing when I'm, like, you know, getting beetroot out. It's that moment of terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> am I, I going to ruin the whole kitchen from this this moment of imprecise hand movement? So. Right, Helen, anything else before we close out and uh, say goodbye? No, 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 I'm done, I'm done. Thanks, Helen. And of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe, let us know, uh, hit that like button or the love heart or whatever it is, wherever you're listening to this. And we very much look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Helen. Bye.